Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs for an audience of entrepreneurs. Uh, I think I overwhelmed today's guest before we started recording because I'm excited <laughs> about his business idea. And more importantly, I'm excited about the story behind it. This guy nearly collapsed, gave one last effort, and the things that he did in that last effort made all the difference. And that's why he's here to talk about the business and how well it's doing now post that big last push. His uh, name is John Williamson. He's the founder of Songfinch. Songfinch is a place where you can go and have real artists create custom songs for you. So you can imagine if you've got a conference and you want to have the right vibe with the right words and the right message in the song, well, you don't have to go online and look for a song that has all that. You can just, you know, commission a song that's written just for you or to take it a little bit smaller imagine you really like your client and you want to send them something about how you've worked together with them for the last year and what it's meant for you go to Songfinch and you'll get a writer and musician to create a custom song for you or if my wife wasn't in the other room I might say I might want to get one of those for for my wife and include little bits about like how we met after she won the first poker game that we played together anyway all that is what I'm here to talk to John about. And we could do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, John said that he might uh, want to use them. You're probably going to want to know about them. They're called Lemon.io. If you're hiring developers, I'm going to urge you later to go to Lemon.io slash Mixergy. And the second, if you if you have people on your team, contractors, employees, whatever, and you want to pay them, the way to do it right now, 2022 is the way to get is the time to get started with them is Gusto. Go to Gusto.com slash Mixergy. But I'll talk about those later. John, good to have you here. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Andrew. You were in the music business before this. Yeah, my my, I've, I feel like I've lived many lives, to be honest. Um, what was the greatest day being on stage? I always fantasize about being on stage and having like people yell while I'm singing the song that I love and has meaning to me. It's it's pretty hilarious. I have a eight year old and a six year old, and when they hear that their dad used to be a rapper back in the late '90s, like they think it's the funniest thing. Um, best stage moment. I don't know, like the Metro in Chicago. Okay. Uh, you know, smaller venue, let's call it 1300 people, but a lot of energy that it packs. So probably the 13. Metro. And you're from Chicago. I am from Chicago. Yeah. So it's like being home. Do you have like somebody from school who saw you up on stage? Oh yeah. There's, yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot of little stories like that for sure. You told yeah, the producer that. that yeah, tell me one of the, the the school stories, and then there's a story that you told our producer that I got to get to. But what's what's one? I always fantasized about somebody from my high school, like there handful of there handful of girls from my high school that I would have wanted to see me up on stage and go, I can't believe that <laughs> dork is there. Why didn't I pay attention to him then? That's hilarious. <laughs> I think I I I think probably for me one of the better stories was um, after after like the the little indie hip-hop career late 90s early 2000s when i really started building businesses and, and 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 getting into the music business outside of like the artist world is one of my business partners that i met um like after we had already started working with brands and doing some things he was like man i used to be like front row like i remember being at that metro show and like i was a fan of yours before we started working together so that was always hilarious to me. And I always like use that to my advantage. And, you know, anytime just, things came up, I'm like, you've been a fan of mine forever. Like, let's <laughs> just, let, let's, let's talk about it how it really is. I get those good vibes a little bit as a podcaster. It's not the same as a musician. I just went for a hike here in Austin the other day. Yeah. And then 
uh, Vivek who works at Superhuman stops me and my family goes, I know you, you're the guy from Mixergy. And then I thought, that's great because I freaking love Superhuman as an app. All right. There's this one story you told our producer. You were in school. Somebody comes in and talks oh to gosh. you about what it's like to, you know the one I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about that. You got to so, hit, hit us with that. Yeah. Look, I, I went to a small art school in Chicago called Columbia for college. Um, I didn't stay there long. Um, I was in like an intro to music business class. And around the same time, like on the weekends, we're going out and touring and playing small venues in other cities. But we had built up a, a pretty decent buzz at the time. And I'm in school. It's like a Monday or Tuesday. And our teacher um, in this intro to music business class, he's basically giving us this whole speech like, hey, one day, guys, like I got a special guest here. They're going to perform on stage like these are these guys are are super successful right now. Like one day, maybe you'll like aspire to like follow in the path of these guys. And this group from Flint, Michigan comes into class and performs on stage. And the previous weekend, they had just opened for us in Michigan. So I'm just in class like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? Why am I here? Why am I spending time on this? Like I'm going to school for the music business. Like this doesn't really make sense. And literally cold turkey told my family, like, I'm not going back to school. I'm going to be in the music business. And I stopped going to school at that particular point in time. And that is definitely the story that fueled it. That's such a gutsy move. I wish that I'd done that. And I've got to keep remembering that for the rest of my life. The gutsy moves are the ones that I get most excited about. And the ones that aren't gutsy, I feel later on such regret that it's hard to it's hard to let it go. People have heard me say, I wish I'd quit school and just moved on yeah. and started a business. That's like a regret I live with for a long time. I hate not taking the gutsy moves. On the flip side to that, when you take gutsy moves, like you got to live with, you got to live with that, that portion of the journey. And I will say like early music business days, man, I got, I got the grind. Like, like what? Uh, I lived in my recording studio for two years um, in which there was only a shared bathroom without a shower. Um, uh. And there was a utility sink. And that is how I used to jump up in the sink and splash water on myself and essentially take baths in the public bathroom utility sink until I paid $20 a month and got a Bally's membership, not to work <laughs> out, but to actually just shower. Yeah. So like, yeah, these grind stories, man, like, you can you can kind of leave it all out there and take these take these particular risks, but I I do think that it requires a particular uh, uh, a, a particular kind of person and personality to be able to put up with that, and you have to be able to like see the light at the end of the tunnel. You have to say like, hey, I'm going to look back and I'm going to laugh at these. I'm going to share these stories on yeah. podcasts. But like, man, when you're living through that, sometimes it can get super dark, and you could be like, man, why? I could have just taken this safe path like everyone yeah. else did, you know? All right. Now, you eventually started a, a business, which you partially, maybe we'll talk about the sale to Coke, and then you started Songfinch. But before you did that, you had to give up on, like, being a performer. Yeah. What happened that got you to give up a performer? It was being super a performer? easy. Like, I, I, I wasn't great myself, to be honest. I, like, surrounded yeah. myself with other artists that were way better. So, like, moving from being an artist and a performer myself into this world of managing artists, it was relatively easy. You know, it's like, hey, these guys are truly talented at what they do. Let me try to apply my skills and, and, and try to get these these people in front of people rather than myself. 
Okay. And so one of these uh, artists, uh, MC Juice, I think it was, came to you and said, okay, look, come back, manage me. What was it about you that made him think that you'd be a good manager? Uh, so, yeah, at the time, this is probably like 2002, maybe 2003. I'm running record label. I have a couple different artists that no one really knows, but we were able to talk our way onto the Vans Warped Tour. Um, and I, I specifically remember we were doing these sets at these, at, at the tour, there's 20,000 people there, but there's, you know, there's 20 different stages. We got 20 people watching our shows and stuff like that, or selling CDs after the set. And I, it, it was, there, there's a handful of artists that I'm with on the tour. No one's really putting in the time, energy and work that I'm putting in kind of wrangling them together, trying to sell merch and these kinds of things. So at that particular point in time, I remember I'm in the back of the van and I get a call from, from juice and juice was unbelievably popular at the time. He uh, was the first rapper to beat Eminem in a freestyle battle. Um, and he was like super popular in independent hip hop because of that. And we had worked together on different things, but he had, he gave me a call and he was basically like, what are you doing? Why are you out on the road trying to pedal this stuff? And no one's really putting in the effort. Like, get on a flight. I got you a ticket. Get out of the van. Get off the tour. If those guys want to stay out there, let them stay out there. Like, let's actually build something significant. And I think similar to like, as you're going to see a pattern here, like I, I definitely take some big, some big leaps and figure out some things on the way down. So yeah, that led me to be like, cool, I'm out of here. I'm about to go do this and, and kind of shift gears. And then that was and like level up for me. And so the thing that you did first was you started a management company and I didn't realize this musicians make their money from brands like, like Philip Morris, McDonald's, that kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Startups doing what? Yeah. So it's super interesting, man. Like, you know, I, I started getting into the brand work at a time when most independent musicians would still look at that as like selling out. Like, oh, you're associated with a brand. Like, you're, you're, you're selling out. What's it, what do you mean by associated with a brand? I know that today it's different, right? You kind of take pride in being someone who's promoting something even on Instagram, right? It's accepted. But what do you mean back then? What were they doing? Syncing music and commercials, like Apple really cracked the cracked the code when they started promoting the, the the first like iPods. They had those really colorful, flashy commercials with right. like the silhouettes and they would take like independent artists and songs that you've never heard of before. And the commercial and all the media dollars put behind the commercial would be like, man, this artist is incredible. And then it would like begin popping those artists off. I remember there was this one song that they played. I'm a new soul. Right. And I went and I looked this artist up. Yeah. El and Naomi. I never would have discovered her otherwise. And then I was listening to all her stuff. But how many, how many uh, brands are paying for commercials with music in them? It feels to me like that's an opportunity for maybe a hundred musicians a year or a hundred songs a year. It's It's more than that. We're talking about at the, in the mid two in the mid like two thousands between okay. two thousand five and two thousand ten, this is like ten billion dollars a year in in music sync going on. Just in commercials, or is there more? Coca Cola, Coca Cola. Just to frame a reference, Coca Cola, a uh, 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 company that sells high fructose corn syrup and <laughs> uh-huh. and, and sells it as happiness. They spend between 200 and 300 million dollars a year on their brands for music. 
Okay. So. All right. And so they don't just want to go on to the same platforms that I use to find music for my YouTube video. They want to have somebody who's a tastemaker, help them find the exactly. right musician so that it's more than the music that people love, but it's the association with the artist that then they could feel a connection with and got it and have some of their, their personality rub off on them. Exactly. Everyone wants to be a tastemaker, right? Like, so during this time, it's mid 2000s, like I'm managing a handful of, of, of artists including the one you, you spoke about. I'm, I'm getting in with some really large artists at the time. And the majority of our money is coming from like sync, like brand partnerships and things like that. And I think it was just around that time where I'm looking like, and we're getting all these offers. I'm managing, let's call it half a dozen artists at the time, getting all these offers for sync, but we can only do so many because these artists only fit in so many of these opportunities. Yeah. Like what if, we built a marketplace or a two-sided kind of platform at the time to take all of the artists to serve all of the opportunities. And that was kind of like the light bulb. Like, all right, the artist babysitting gig, which it had become at the time, like this is only going to get so big. Let's get into technology. Let's talk about building this platform. Let's build something for all of the independent artists. We're seeing like, you know, these opportunities can change artists' lives. So can we build a platform where brands can use this platform to discover new music and new artists that fit their scenarios, whether it's a commercial, a TV show, a movie, whatever? Yeah, yeah. Can we make this connection? And, and then, so this was you deciding to do it? You're not a developer. You're not a tech startup person, are you? Were you back I, then, I, I mean? I, now you are. I, I wasn't. I wasn't back then. No, I was a music kid that, you know, just had So the, how'd you get somebody to build it for you? Uh you know, we were resourceful. I think that's one of the one of the traits that you get in music as an independent musician where there's no, you know, there's one dollar for 10 people to eat. You become unbelievably resourceful. You begin wearing a bunch of different hats and just figure things out. Um, Who'd you hire so, to build it for you or what platform did you use to build this marketplace? Man, I we we built now I'm going to date myself. We built this marketplace in 2008 on Drupal. Drupal. Yeah, you are. Wow. <laughs> we, we, we built it on Drupal. It made a lot of sense at the time. Okay. All right. Uh, we ran into a ton of different problems with that framework or whatever the case may be in regards to speed. Drupal always actually... made sense on paper, but it was so complicated. I was living in DC around that time. Yeah. And I remember asking people who'd come to my scotch nights, why are you using Drupal? They said, we work for the government. They install Drupal, they're going to need us forever. They're just going to want to keep hiring us again. It's like not necessarily government directly, but government uh, related businesses that also just don't don't have a discerning understanding. All right. And also times were different. There weren't other platforms. So you were using that. You had it built. I get that you had your artists already. So you could just bring the artists onto the platform. You had the uh, brands a little bit associated. Were they starting to use Were the brands starting to use your platform? Uh, they weren't using the platform. We were more so using the platform internally as a tool and we Got were it. still like selling to the music supervisors. And I think like that is probably one of those things. Like you're talking about behavioral change. You're yeah. talking about like how difficult behavioral change is industry wide across an industry that's so used to operating a particular way. Yeah. So look, six years of running this company. We built this artist community from zero to 35,000 artists from 200 countries that were on the platform. Like everyone knew about this particular platform at the time and, and they used it. We made millions and millions of dollars for independent artists. And I think we, 
we began changing the game in a sense. Like when we started, no one really knew about sync licensing. Um, we were kind of the, the lone game in town. And when we finished, there was right now today, there's hundreds of companies like this that take independent artists and work, work them for sync licensing. So, we made so how did that. Coke decide that they wanted to come in and buy a portion of the business? Yeah, the, the Coca-Cola story is super interesting. I'll tell like the origination story of it, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, as young entrepreneurs that had some things moving, we were making some money. We didn't really understand scaling businesses at the time. Like we wanted to, on our business card, we wanted to say Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, London. So like we had this like rollout strategy in which we opened new offices like every six months from the time we opened we expanded from Chicago to an office in LA six months later and an office in New York six months after that. Again, not really understanding what that meant or how it worked, but just kind of learning along the way. And for New York, we threw like a release party or an office launch party. Like this is like, you know, 2009, maybe the end of 2009. Um, in New York, we throw this party at a recording studio. We have some cool bands come and play. A bunch of our clients, people in the ad industry in New York are there. Um, and this guy comes up to us and he introduces himself as uh, from from Coca-Cola. And he gets to talking with us. And it's a Saturday that we're throwing this, this party. And he says that he's working on uh, this, this, this larger spot for Coke. And... Uh, probably had a few too many drinks in us and we got to really bragging like, oh man, like we could send one blast out to our artist community and I can get you 200 custom songs by Monday afternoon that use, that incorporates the Coke five notes in it and it'll be perfect for you. And then you can go from there. And this guy's like calling our bluff right there. He's like zero chance. Like if you have a platform in which you could get 200 custom songs on spec created between saturday and monday and delivered to me in a link like we're going to do a lot of work together so quickly sobered up from that conversation um monday morning deliver him a link and i believe we had over 500 custom songs for his spot all incorporating the five note coke then the uh the 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 coke jingle how this was this is before Songfinch. This was a platform where artists and brands could connect. It wasn't about having custom songs created. Our 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 artist community was was uh, malleable though. Like we sent out blasts and we would say, "Hey, so and so is looking for something. Like, do you have songs ah. in your catalog that fit?" But this time we're like, "Hey, the biggest of the big is looking for this. Like, it's a great opportunity. If you have time this weekend and you're in the studio, put something together. Here's the creative brief." and overwhelming feedback we delivered we delivered this guy a link with 500 songs and he absolutely flips and he's like this is unbelievable they end up licensing one of those songs and then we continue down a path for let's call it a year of those guys being like can you do this can you do this can you do this and just throwing us more opportunities And then it got to the point of like, man, you guys are spending a ton of money on music. Like music is a huge part of your platform from a marketing standpoint. And, you know, we just built out really solid relationships with the global sports and entertainment team there. And then come 2011, um, we we were talking bigger partnerships, bigger picture. So we created a way in which they could own a portion of the business. 
Um, they instantly became uh, like our revenue then went through the roof at that point in time. And they became the magic key for us, meaning the relationship with Coca-Cola, the article and billboard announcing that they had purchased a stake in us. And at that point, a lot of people still didn't know who we are. That was kind of like, all right, we're here, we've arrived. And that allowed us to like get in front of any any executive level at any brand that we wanted to, whether Coke set up those meetings for us or whether we just cold hit people up and said, it's us, the guys who Coke just invested in. And I think uh-huh. what's super interesting about that deal is that actually like started uh, Coke getting more into venture, to be completely honest. The Coca-Cola company around the same time, like that's when Spotify came out and just came to the US. Coke ended up investing in Spotify at the mm. time, which has definitely proved to be uh, way more lucrative for them than than my company was. But Your company was called Music Dealers, right? Yep. I love the name. And then how much of an investment did they make in the business? Uh, millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Yeah. And then was that money that you used then to build a business or was it a little bit of taking money off the table? Uh, no, they're, they're, I, I, I can tell you um, stories of, of my path. There's been not really any taking money off the table. It's I want to know been- why. Why didn't you get rid? But you know what? Let me take a moment yeah. and talk about my first sponsor, um, and then we'll come back into the why. Sure. My first sponsor is a company called Lemon.io. The founder was on here to do an interview with me about how he built up his business. And it's in the, I think, $2 plus million dollars a year revenue. Mm-hmm. And I guess a lot of people signed up to hire developers from him because he came back and said for a long time, can I buy an ad? Can I buy an ad? And I couldn't sell him an ad. We were sold out. But now I had one and he immediately, same day, got on a call with me and paid as soon as as soon as he heard that there was a spot because he wanted it. Um, and the reason that it's so uh, popular is because he is in Europe. He's, I think, in Eastern Europe. He's got developers in Eastern Europe. I know that for sure. These developers don't cost nearly as much as developers here in the U.S., but they're fan-freaking-tastic developers. And so what he has is this platform where he tests them to make sure that they're the right people. You're not just going randomly out into the world and, and getting random people, but they test them. They make sure that they're good. They make sure that they take away the risk from you from the project. And then you can hire directly through Lemon. And what Lemon does is they stand behind the developers that they match you with, and they can often get you the right developer within 48 hours. And I think people like to test them to say, okay, let's test it. Here's what I have. Here's my biggest problem. Send me somebody. I'm not committed, so send me. Show me what you got. And so I think that's an easy way for them to get customers. So if you're out there and you're looking for developers, if you use my URL, lemon.io slash Mixergy, you will get to tap into these developers. Again, really great developers at an incredibly low price. If you're growing super fast, and you need to add developers quickly, they're the right people. If you're a technical co-founder or you have one who needs to delegate some of the work, you can go in and work with Lemon. And of course, if you have a project that needs specific technology and you do not have that on staff, I'm now noticing a lot of people who are in my audience saying that they need um, uh, blockchain technology. They have uh, NFT ideas that they want to incorporate. All of that takes this... Uh, experience and skills that your people may not have well you know what you could augment your team's experience with lemon's experience if you want to do this and get 15 percent discount for the first four weeks go to lemon.io slash mixergy lemon.io slash mixergy all right i'm really grateful to alex over there for signing up and <laughs> jumping in on this i was actually to be honest with you i said 
maybe it'd be nice if he didn't pay me this year. Then I wouldn't have to pay taxes on it this year. Just take your time, dude. Take your time. I'm not, uh, you know, running it, away. Push it to January. There you go. Yeah. Um, what is one of the most effective ad campaigns that I saw years ago was uh, companies that would email out and say, why don't you pay a whole year in advance? That way you could write off the cost this year. And I remember every one of those businesses that did that, I jumped on. I said, sure, let's reduce my taxes. It's December anyway. It was so freaking effective. Bear Metrics did that with me. I ended up signing to get a book done with Tucker Max's company for that reason. And then I started emailing other businesses like Pipe Drive. Can I pay you ahead? Ultimately, it's not a huge thing, but I'll take it. Yeah, man. I podcast advertising. We can get into that later, but uh, you did some. It's it's been huge for Songfinch to be. All right, I'm I'm writing this down. We're gonna come back to Songfinch, but I don't want to get away from what happened. How like I would have thought that you'd have been rich from that. Yeah, I I think I think that is the general idea. I mean, from the outside looking in and and watching that company and the impact we made in the space, etc. I think everybody probably probably assumes that. So what happened? uh, Yeah, I I think ultimately with that, I ended up leaving in 2014. I left at the height of the company from a revenue perspective. I think because yeah, I I without getting into too much detail around it, I I just think when you have when you have co-founders, like the most important thing to do is like stay aligned on the vision the whole way through. The second like the vision diverges between partners. It, it becomes really difficult. And I think in this particular case, I think if you want to say, hey, what what is the difference between viewpoints or whatever in that in that business or that scenario? I think you had one side that was really focused on building technology, even though um, technology wasn't my background. I just understood scale with that business. And I really wanted to change the dynamic of how uh, music licensing actually worked i didn't want it to be a uh, a lunch and dinner game and like i didn't want it to be so hands-on so full service i see this became an agency and you wanted to build a software company okay so if you walk away we raised money as if we were building a software company you know we raised money at at multiples of a software company but then like you know some some of the the agency stuff really made sense and it became really easy and you could see scale like we add more salespeople and yeah. we get more revenue and then you have somebody like Coca-Cola that comes into the mix like they don't Coke doesn't work with technology Coke works with agencies so they're looking so at us like you're then? the agency so and then i imagine also that they had some kind of uh put option that they're able to buy you at a certain price point right based on revenue yeah, there, there, there was some things going on there. I, I don't want to get into all the details of like how the but basically did the business get sold somehow? Did is it still standing on its well, own, and then there's no exit for you to cash out of? What's going on? Yeah, I, the the there's zero in that business for me. I left again at the okay. at the height. I even helped pick the person that was uh, that essentially was going to take my place and replace me as the COO of that company. Um. So it was it was a, a split that made sense and okay. definitely left everything in there. There wasn't like a ton of cash to be taken out. Okay. Um, and from 2014 to 2016, I mean, you guys can 
use the Google machine and and figure out some of the things that happened to that company. But it basically, I believe in 2016, it got purchased out of bankruptcy. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's a, right. it's a, it's a, it's a rise and fall story. If, if you can kind of dig in and, and sort out some of the details. All right. I think I've got a sense of it. So meanwhile, what I'm seeing is you get a job and then I think another job. And then one day you're asked to give a speech as a best man at a wedding. And what happens? Yeah. My, my, my brother, actually, my brother who mm-hmm. I've worked with for 15 years in music. He actually, also a musician, by the way, he's also he's not he's a, a musician. Performer? No, 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 okay. no performer. Just been in the business of music. I, you know, in the studio with me when he was, he's seven years younger than me. So in the studio with okay. me when he was young, coming out to the, the city on the weekends kind of deal and just kind of learning and soaking it all up. Um, so yeah, best man at his wedding. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a great public speaker. That that kind of stuff uh, frightens me. So it's like, let me put together a really quick speech where I don't have to be standing up in front of people talking too much. And let me have one of uh, a band that he really liked at the time. Let me have them. Let me reach out to them to see if they'll do a personalized song to talk about how him and his wife met and some funny inside jokes and stories about the family and things of that sort. Did that. So I give a speech. Um, I tell the DJ to hit play. The DJ hits play. And I watch a room of 200 people kind of run the gamut of emotions. They start laughing about things. They're trying to figure out, man, like, how did this happen? There's tears taking place at certain, like, heartfelt moments. Like, it was a slam. It was a mic drop. So it was like, cool. So then the rest of the wedding, you know, and then even weeks after the wedding, people are like, how did you do that? Like, that's amazing. So that was kind of like, all right, we've been already talking about like that B2B version of what we did before. Is there a direct to consumer version of that? Is there a way that we can harness the power of music and bring it to individuals? So then it was like, all right, this is a really cool idea. Is it a business? Like, is it just a singular product or is it a business? Is this an e-com play that, again, you just try to scale it up really fast? Like, what does this look like? So conceptually, we came up with this end of 2016. Um, at this time, I'm working on, I'm, I'm running a, a digital agency at this time because that's what I started doing when I, when I left uh, music dealers. I'm running a digital agency slash kind of incubator model where I'm working with a bunch of different founders. I got some fantasy sports business going on, just a bunch of different things. Like maybe I can escape from music for a little bit. Um, but then just keep getting pulled back to this idea. So got Rob. He was still at music dealers at the time, got him to leave music dealers. And I said, like, take this idea, try to find some product market fit. Like I have this going on. Our other co-founder who was previously the general counsel at music dealers, he is working with, working with some artists at the time. At that time, a very little known artist named Doja Cat, who he now manages, um, Get out. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> so so Josh and I have things going on. We're like, we really want to do this like Songfinch concept. Rob, do you want to take it, run with it, see what you can make make go? So Josh and I are, are, are dabbling in and out of this thing. Rob is working it to the bone around the clock, just trying to figure things out. And, you know, I think 
one of the themes that you'll see if you look back at my career is I tend to be probably a bit too early to the party on some ideas. Sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it's like, ah, we were one year too early before this thing exploded and we couldn't maintain it. So in the song Finch sense, we're telling people personalized songs end of 2016, beginning of 2017. They're like, what are you talking about? Like this, this doesn't, it's not registering. So like all of our marketing, everything we have to do is like educate the consumer. We're the only people in the space. There's zero competitors. Like it's, it's, it's all on us. So, you know, 2016, 17, Wait, 18. We, don't take me any further. Let me it, pause for a moment. First of all, who's Rob? Uh, one of the other co-founders of Songfinch. Got it. It's my, my right. brother. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. And so why is your brother taking this on full time? What does he see in it and what else has he got going on in his life? Um, yeah, I, I, I think he believed in it. I mean, he believed in the previous business that we built. Um, he essentially okay. single-handedly built up that artist community when I'm talking about 35,000 artists over Meaning there. finding the artists or finding, finding the, the artists, building the all artists. the relationships. Yeah, like he Got it. Okay. did all the sell on those artists, getting them on that platform. So right. I hate to be the dork who comes in and says, what platform did you use? But who built the first version of the, of of the marketplace? Finch? Was it even a What is it? Uh, the first version of Songfinch, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was the first version of Songfinch was built in the Google suite. So it was like Google Sheets and forms and things of that sort. Okay, so that makes sense. basically, you know, we're like, hey, we have some artists and we have a spreadsheet of all artists and their contact information. And we've told them about this idea. Ask them if they want to okay. try creating some personalized songs, if we get them some details on songs. And they say, yes, we're down to try. And we're like... $100 a song, $150 a song. You know, we're like still... Everyone gets to pick their own price is what it is. No, it's us floating a price and saying, does this work for you? Because we're testing ah, a bunch okay. of different price points Got and it. a bunch of different And then were you work. offering one clear price at the time or were there multiple prices? I think when we started, we, we were, we did a lot of research on the gifting space and we started to see like average gift price during peak holiday season is like $150 and then like started to kind of move from there all with this idea that there needs to be balance to get good quality artists on the platform. So it needs to be, it's probably going to be something more premium. So, you know, it's just a lot of trial and error, a lot of figuring things out. And like, then we had friends and family where we're like sending them a Google sheet with a bunch of questions and say, you want to get a song about so-and-so? Do you want to get a song for so-and-so's birthday? You got an anniversary coming up. Do you want to get a song? Remember that song we did at the wedding? So just like a bunch of that. And then like, you know, just like any kind of builder, you just, you test and refine and you test and refine and try to figure things out. And it took a, it took a long time. I mean, 2018, we probably did $150,000 in revenue, um, which was relatively significant. From where? So where did you get the first customers? I understand you had the artists. I understand the platform that you use. I love that you just <laughs> use Google's uh, software. Where did you find the customers? Uh, social, really. You know, we, you would just go on social and you tweet it out or what would you do? Yeah. Or, or I mean, we Instagram would, we it? would, there, we would interject into conversations of people talking about gifts, like a lot of manual stuff. And then we started testing some different ads and where would I, you see people on, where would you see people on social asking about gifts that you can go and respond to them? Uh, Facebook groups, okay. uh, Twitter, kind of anywhere that we could begin having conversations. And okay, because so we came from the B2B world. Like, 
I would say at the beginning, that's really what we were trying. We're like, can we get in with wedding planners and have wedding planners sell it to yeah. people who are having weddings? Did that work? Uh, no. I'll get into the wedding piece. Even right now, Please. the wedding part doesn't necessarily work. Our our pro, our core products price too low for the wedding industry. I know that because may, they can't make money by reselling it. Is that what you mean, or what? Do no, you mean? I'm saying even for wedding customers, you're talking about like doing songs for first dances and dad daughter dances. Like our product, our core product is two hundred dollars with a seven day turnaround. They're spending five thousand dollars on floral arrangements. The idea of like a two hundred dollar product within that mix, it, it's it doesn't necessarily match Interesting. up. How do you, how can you tell that that's what's happening? People do people clearly say that, or yeah, what man, are you we doing talk, to talk to them? I, I I truly believe in 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 speaking to customers every single day. So it's like it's always a what are you thinking? What do you think about this? What do you think about this concept? Like the customers are creating the product, you know, like based on feedback. We we have we have gut feels and, and instincts around particular things. You know, it's like the the old story about if you asked people back in the day if about a car, they would say that they just wanted a faster horse. Like I, I, I understand those kinds of things, but like the people are going to tell you like where they want this thing to go. So So when you say you talk to customers, what's your process for getting them on the phone? Um well now we have a we have a product department. So we have like product design and they have a, a, a full process built out in regards to customer. Can you talk about what loops. that looks like? What do you uh, know much about how they do it? Not, how they do it? Not, not particularly. How did you do it back then? Were you just calling people up? Were you For sure. emailing them and saying more information calls, about emails, this? Got text it. messages on social. Okay. Yeah, just trying to figure it out. So okay. so look, just you know, this twenty to sixteen to twenty nineteen world. Um, we raised a little bit of capital during that time from just friends and family. Uh, some of our own, uh, some some smaller angels that got introduced and just liked the idea. Maybe they started as a customer and said, hey, you need some money to, to kind of move this thing forward. Um, but the other, myself and, and Josh, who's the other co-founder, we continue to work on other things. Um, 2019, we do about $150,000 in revenue, the same that we did in 2018. The okay, thing, before like, you continue, be, and before you yeah. go any further, you also mentioned that you were buying some ads. What type of ads were working for you back at this period? Nothing, to be completely honest, man. Nothing. So meanwhile, you're still working. This is not making money. Making how many sales a month, roughly, for all the work that Rob is putting in and that you're putting in to talk to customers? I don't know. 150 75. That's it. A, a month. Got yeah. it. Just enough to say there's some hope here. And then there's also like an excitement level. Did you feel any of that from people? It was the, yeah, it was the feedback. Like I will tell you right now, if we weren't getting the customer feedback that we were getting, feedback that I've never experienced from anything that I've ever done, like that like what? far what would somebody over the say? top. Like just life changing, man. The, the, the scenarios in which we were doing songs for were so unbelievable. Like, yeah, you'd have a bunch of it's our anniversary, like here's how we met, et cetera. But then you would have, I lost my nine-year-old daughter to cancer and I want to do Ooh. a remembrance song. Like, yeah, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about yeah. these things. Yeah, oh like, wow, so to play at the funeral for your nine-year-old uh, daughter as a way of communicating. Or a song from a husband to a wife from the perspective of the daughter saying, hey, everything's going to be all right. 
like oh, yeah like dude. really heavy yeah. stuff and then like yeah. you get customer feedback and it's like oh my god you allowed me to like get past this this brought clarity to my life yeah. like just the feedback we're getting i'm like this is the most powerful thing i've ever experienced and if it wasn't like we would have shut we would have shut it down man it was just like i i'm i'm about fast big growth i'm about doing things that that are going to that are going to change the world and completely change the game. It's not about doing, you know, $150,000 a year businesses. So we would have definitely shut it down, but you know, we were each support systems for each other in regards to the three co-founders. Like one day, would you go and do one day two of us other? would be like, Hey, we got to kill this. And the other one would be like, no, we're going to keep it going. <laughs> and then like, you know, every day we kind of switched off on who was, who was on the business and who was off the business. And, so, <laughs> all right, let me take a moment. I'm sorry to interrupt. I want to talk about Gusto. You have now how many pe- people on your on your team? 25 people? Yeah. 26? I think we're at 30 today. Th- oh, even more than Dude, like when you talk to our producer. I'm, I'm so hiring. It's climbing up there. <laughs> people who are listening to us have a team. Either they're full time employees, maybe a lot of them are contractors, maybe it's a mix, and you want an easy way to pay them especially now when there's a new year starting to start fresh and give yourself an experience that makes it easy to pay your team from just about any device to make it easy for them to get paid, to see what's going on, to make it easy for them to get uh, benefits, to make it the whole process smooth and effective to the point where, John, I have interviewed people and I've talked to them and said, do you use Gusto? What do you use? They say they use Gusto. I said, why? Give me like a list of features. They never gave me a list of features beyond it just works. It's right. the best out there and it just works. And I'm going to say that is why I'm switching to Gusto and why I urge everyone who's listening to me right now to go and just check out Gusto. And if you want to try them for free, they're frankly super inexpensive. You can see that their prices are low. Um, but I'll still let you try it for free because sometimes just breaking the dollar barrier, like me maybe making it even less than a dollar, making it zero, makes people go and try it. Right now, while you're listening to me, I have an offer that lets you try it for free. See if it makes sense for you. Go and explore it. And if you're happy with it, you can continue. If you're not, you don't have to. But I've seen how good they are, and I'm looking forward to working with them. And I urge you to do it too. Go to gusto.com slash Mixergy, gusto, G-U-S-T-O dot com slash Mixergy. They do payroll, hiring and onboarding people. They have time tracking uh, tools, employee benefits. They've got the Gusto wallet app for your people. And they also have HR experts if you need them and so much more. Go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. Sold. I'm checking them out. You should. I'm telling you. I mean, both like, of really, your sponsors. Your I'm into it. I dig it. I love when the, when the <laughs> guests are into it. Um, Because truthfully, John, I let my guests be as open as possible. And sometimes they say, I use a competitor. And I go, okay, fine. Let's talk about what yeah. the difference is and where a competitor might be better, better for my audience. Truthfully, my audience is going to know me and trust me better based on the experience they have with a customer or a sponsor than they do with anything they hear me say, you know, because that's where they put it, their money. That's when they say, let's see if Andrew has got it or not. And so I wanted to go right. And if it doesn't, I always say, email me, andrew at mixergy.com. I've had people have issues with sponsors in the past. I stand by them and uh, I cancel sponsors who aren't a good fit. Okay. So um, then at some point, something happened. What happened? Yeah, man. End of 2019 again we're having this these dreadful conversations that bounce back and forth between being optimistic about customer feedback and kind of being realistic about where we are on growth where we are on cash in hand and things of that sort um end of 2019 let's call it we had about thirty five thousand dollars in the bank that's it 
I mean, we don't have employees at this time, um, but $35,000 in the bank, it's grim. It's like, what are we doing? We're not going to take this and, and, and crack the code. But at the same time, there's now new faces in the space that are, are kind of helping uh, communicate a message. Meaning like so there's cameo imagine, in the space. There's other people right. in the space that aren't necessarily- Iver to some degree with musicians who are yep. not full on musicians. Yep. That's the thing you're seeing. Yeah. So there's other people that are speaking. Like this this idea has now caught up. Like we are super so how early. Does that, how does that help you? How does it help you that they're all doing this? I would oh, think that it would be, no, it would no, no, mean no. that the, you're too late. No, no why? No. So the, the, the realistic point about this, everything that we're doing, the demand is higher than any level of service. Meaning like the demand for right now in our space for personalized music is greater than 10 companies put together right now can, can, can service. So when there's more people in the space, there's more marketing messages going out. And then I'm a big believer in the best ones are going to win. So the best companies are going to win regardless of how many people are talking about it. Let me see if I so, understand you right. What you're saying, John, is if somebody shares like that their team got together and bought them a song on Fiverr and they share it online. Some people are going to go sign up for Fiverr, but a lot more people are going to say, I like this idea of a custom song. And then they'd be more open to Songfinch specializing in musicians, 100%. specializing in musical genres, wanting more than just another rap guy in India, because for some reason Fiverr has got great connections in India. Right. And then they go to the specialty site and say, I want, I want you. Yeah. Just the education portion of like, Hey, this is why you would want personalized music. This is why it makes sense to you. Like competition okay. breeds that like I'm, I'm all for it. And when you, I don't mean to put down Fiverr in any way that, huh. or people working in India use Fiverr. I actually had a chess session with someone that I discovered on Fiverr this morning, but it's different from the chess session that I had with someone from Lee chess, which is this uh, open source chess community yeah. where there's just more, I don't know. There's more specialty in where their ratings are and what their approaches are. The feedback isn't he's great. The feedback is we worked on the Karakan defense. We worked on the London system, et cetera. And then I know, okay, I've worked on that. Right. I think that's what you're saying, right? That yeah, for sure. There's more of a specialty. Yeah. Plus it just signals that, hey, this is where the market is going. Again, like okay. I, I, I feel like I tend to go into scenarios and, and be a bit early to be fully effective. And now I'm seeing end of 2019, I'm seeing Cameo explode. I'm seeing people like understanding this idea of like personalized experience. And now okay. it's like, cool, we have a really fresh one over here too. So beginning of 2020, we got $30,000 in the bank, 35,000, whatever the case may be. And it was like, let's take this and, and, and go one more push. We got Valentine's Day right around the corner. Uh, Valentine's day is typically really big for us. Let's, let's see what we can do. So we started to say like, what, what major changes can we make over like, let's call it a 30 day period without a lot of resource. And at the time we were selling like two different products, one for 99 and one for 200. And they were really the same product, but it's how they were created we're music guys. We are getting in our head and how we are positioning it from a marketing standpoint. What do you mean? Help me understand what the difference was between 99 and 199. One was built like, like from a, a, a 
more of a template, like we call it a foundation. It had something existing and then the verses got personalized and the other one was from the ground up. But at the end of the day, when somebody received the song as a gift, like they didn't know the difference. It was still the same thing. It was personalized. It was to them. Okay. So we were kind of having like competitive, competing cannibalizing products within our own suite. Um, so we're like, well, let's strip that out. Singular message, $200, seven days, personalized song from scratch. And then I think what really clicked there is how we were marketing it and how we were selling it. Being music guys, we were talking too much previously, um, in regards to like, this is how it gets done. Like you share details and then this happens and then this happens and then you get a song. Like it was too much to take in. Uh, so yeah. we had some really great UGC that some customers shared with us that was all like live reveal videos that they did on their iPhones. So we're like, okay, let's just capture this emotion. Let's capture people listening to a song, emotion hitting them, them tears coming out of their eyes. Let's build a 30 second, like one singular ad piece here that we can use for social that doesn't say what we do or how we do it. It just says what you get essentially what you get to deliver when you get our product. Like it's happy tears. It's this, it's this heightened emotion. It's not about a personalized song anymore. It's really about you're coming to song Finch because you want to make your mom cry happy tears. And this is the way that you can do it. So the combo of a singular product, a new way to position it from a marketing standpoint, using like native feeling UGC, as well as like a quick cleanup on the, the, the UI from a mobile standpoint. And we launch um, with our last $30,000 here um, on February 3rd, 2020, with one week here, kind of one week for Valentine's Day window. And over the course of that one week, without any supporting staff on board, we did like $80,000 in a week. And it was like, holy, like this can work. Meanwhile, Rob, who's doing all the fulfillment, uh, you know, we're, we're having conversations every single hour, like turn off the marketing. Like this isn't going to work. <laughs> Working 24 because hours. Fulfillment is not him. I pictured him sitting and writing the songs. No, himself. No, no, fulfillment is him going, who can I reach out to? Can I ask them to work a little bit faster? Can I find somebody else? Do they have yeah. a friend? That kind of thing. At this point in time, the platform's a little bit, the admin portion of the platform isn't like a Google sheet anymore. And it's, it's slightly yeah. more buttoned up, but it still sticks in mud based on that kind of volume. So what's, uh, what's the project management software you use? Do you remember? Uh, I picture like a Trello or a sauna back. Yeah, we, and... we, we use Asana, but what at this point in time, we have like a, a small build on rails. So that, that's what our back end. I mean, is. today, 20, no, we're that's where we at were the at the end of 2020. We are at the beginning okay. of 2020. We, we were set up on rails. Um, okay. Again, it, it, it wasn't built exceptionally well at that time but it was just okay. still about product market fit. So at this point we do 80 some thousand dollars in a week. It's like, cool, now shut off marketing. Now this is interesting. Now let's start putting some of the other projects and things that we have on hold. I mean, that, that are moving. Let's start putting some of that stuff on hold, start putting some other people in play to handle some of those things. Let's start focusing on this. And what do you mean by other projects on hold? What did you put on? I, hold? I have a, I have an agency. Um, a digital agency. Oh, oh your other about. work. Yeah. You're saying, 
go full time. Yeah, I'm like, in. like 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 let's start digging in. We've always believed in the product, but we didn't see how the 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 customer lift was going to happen. Now we have it. So now let's dive in after that short little burst in that window. Let's build up some infrastructure. Let's see what happens. Can we repeat that and then some for Mother's Day in April or whatever it was? So then we did that yeah. and we did like a hundred some thousand dollars during that push. And we're like, all right, now we got it. And we had a hell of a year in 2020. We did 1.5 million, I believe. Um, wow. So we went from 150,000 the previous year as our high to um, 1.5 million. So we're talking about a thousand percent increase. And now we have wow. a legit business. And now we raise a little, yeah. now we raise a legitimate seed at the end of 2020. We get uh, some some friends and family in the industry in the weekend invests. Uh, Quincy, the, the musician invests. Yeah, the weekend, the musician what? invests. Quincy Jones, how, legendary Quincy Jones, how do you get them? personally invests in us. How do you get both of them? Uh, through connections. At this time, our co-founder Josh is still managing. He manages Doja Cat. He's a, <laughs> a, a hit maker in in the industry right now. So Josh is. A, opening up doors and introducing us to people. And okay. um, so Craig Coleman, who's the CEO of Atlantic Records, gets a song and says, this is incredible. And then he personally invests. So now we have wow, like, okay. now we have traditional music industry saying like, wow, this is the future. Like some of the things that you guys are talking about here is incredible. And then we start using some of that money and building up the team. Um, as I said, we're at like 30 now. Um, and now, like some of the big vision is coming into play. In regards to revenue this year, we're wrapping up at five point five million dollars this year. Wow! Um, so it, it's it's significant, man. We we've began figuring it out, and I I don't even think we're we're still at stage one. And I have a a, a pretty big vision of what it is that we're creating here. Like I think the business of personalized music for occasion based gifting, which we've been doing like solely up to this mm -hmm. point is definitely a very big business. But I think some of the things that we're doing right now um, in regards to like training new behaviors on both sides of the marketplace is definitely opening opening us up what do to you mean? An, in, an interesting future. What are some new behaviors on both sides of the marketplace? Well, if you think about what's taking place, you have customers over here and they're coming in and they're sharing stories. Uh, they're being vulnerable. They're They're giving intimate details about things. Essentially what they're doing is they're, they're co-writing songs without having any skill as a songwriter. On the other side of the marketplace, you have these artists and these artists are for the first time in their young careers, they're not writing from personal experience and perspective. They're taking third party perspective, third party inputs, and they're creating from their perspective. So we're training these artists to create to create a volume essentially rather than like having to live through new experiences to create new material they're ah, taking other people's experiences right so you don't have to have lost a child to write a song to be moved by that or to write a song about that and then the person who's moved by it doesn't just have to be the parent who lost a child yeah, but man. someone else which is why i i think it's especially meaningful that you also allow these songs to go on spotify where they could be shared, where they could be discovered, added to playlists, and so much. And by the way, that's so inexpensive. The price that you have for adding it to Spotify, 
Yeah, it's like twenty bucks from what I remember. I think it's forty nine right now. But yeah, for I guess that's how little I thought of it that I I just you know lumped it in mm-hmm. in under a hundred. All right, I get I get where you're going with that. Yeah, I see. It's forty nine dollars to have it on streaming services on Apple and Spotify. So so like thinking about those behaviors that 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 you're creating. I mean, think about in the future like what that could mean. Think about the idea of... Right, let's think about it. What do you think that could mean? Yeah, I, I don't want to give away all the secret sauce in regards to what I'm trying to give do. Give some like big vision because right now what it seems is it's a really nice gift. Yep. There's a danger of working hard to get a customer and then how many songs are they going to give, right? Yep. You give one to your wife. If you give one to your kid next year, that's meaningful. But if it becomes your thing, it it loses some of its effectiveness. 30%. And you don't get any... 30% of our customers are coming back for future purchase, right? Coming now. back. For okay, but that's still not like SaaS level return. So, but we're pro- we're profitable on first purchase. So the idea of cherry on top with okay. a third of the customers coming back to repeat is is actually pretty significant. I think what how how do I let let everyone in on on big vision and what it could be? I I think I'm super bullish on this idea right now of the line between who is a creator and who is not a creator being completely blurred. I think you can watch these I, I'm things. Too. You know what I see that's exciting there? I Like how many of us have gone on vacations or gone to see school plays or gone to do anything and we shoot video and then we have this boring footage that we never assemble into anything. And now there's services that will say, we've got a real artist who can take this and turn it into a story or a watchable video and it becomes a repeatable thing. I like that you're saying you have emotions, you don't know how to express them but you know it when it's out, we're going to be giving voice to your feelings I'm in a way that you hadn't seen. I'm saying every single human being is a creator. And this is a platform that allows any human being to get into the music industry without a high barrier to entry. Ah, now we're talking, right. So if I have this sense that I want to create music, I don't have to know how to play the guitar today to do it. I don't have to know how to write lyrics. I just have to be able to be a producer of my songs and can create them and put them on SoundCloud and, or something. Andrew, in the in the in the future, you could put out a six song EP in February um, that you essentially co wrote and you created everything for, and then you can monetize uh, that in the future. And, and right, right. Okay, I see. I see where you're going with this, and you can imagine that maybe. I might want to pump up my audience with this with this message about entrepreneurship, with this message about business. And we've been finding hip hop beats that don't really speak to us because I didn't live right. with, uh, I don't know, the, I didn't live the Biggie Smalls life yeah. with his posters up on my wall. But I had something else that my audience can relate to. If we create the right album, we tap into that. It doesn't have to be a bestseller. It just has to sell to them. That's where you're going with this. Yeah. That I, is a big I, vision. I, I think that's some of it. I think like there's, and then you you were talking blockchain. We're talking new technology. Things are moving so right. quick right now. And a lot of the things that, that exist within that space are going to allow some of these like future monetization efforts to actually be able to take place and to come to life. So, right. And so if I can sell, if I make a song up or maybe one of your artists does, 
we could then eventually get licensing from that if it ends up in something. And then the way that I could sell my ownership is through an NFT. And then the way that the original artist continues to make money from it is the NFT's process of kicking back a percentage to the original creator. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, all this does make it much more exciting. And it does make music more exciting again because the problem I have with music is I'm still living somebody else's generic experience. I do not feel Adele's life. I I feel some of her emotion in it and I could relate to it, but she's not speaking to me. Malcolm Gladwell did this really amazing session about why country music is more touching than rock music because it speaks to a narrower audience. Imagine if you could get even more specific to like the entrepreneurial journey for us, for somebody else who's a writer, music for writers. Like it's not like how do I take Rocky and fire myself up with it, but how do I take, I don't know, Noah Kagan and fire myself up with his beats to my thing. But yeah, like I'm totally with you, dude. Now I get it. Keep talking. And then I'll throw out just a couple other scenarios really quick. Just like thinking about the platform as discovery. And now you're like getting into this NFT world and this collectible concept. Like think about, you know, that there's an artist that's playing Coachella next summer. No one, they're playing a small stage. A lot of people haven't heard of this particular artist, but you've been following them. You know that they're on Coachella. You come to the site, you collaborate with them and get a one of one. Maybe you spend 1500 bucks on it or something. They play Coachella. They start exploding on social. You're then taking that one of one NFT, flipping it on OpenSea for $10,000 six months later. So there's like a discovery concept taking place. Right. I think, honestly, all the technology, all the upside, all these things, they're all really interesting to me. And I think like the world is our oyster right now. I think we're super well positioned based on this community that we're building, based on the audience that we're training to do these things. But one of the things that has really just hit me lately is this idea of like the way in which music is being created has not changed in forever. The only thing that gets changed is the medium in which it's delivered. Like going back through time, it's like eight track, vinyl, cassette, CD, MP3, streaming audio. And now we have NFT, but like an artist is still putting together a 14 song album every 12 to 18 months and releasing it like that. Meanwhile, consumer and consumption behavior is completely on a different track than it was in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Like people want volume. People want things now. People want things their way. And music is not evolved or changed at all in how it's created. So I definitely think this concept and idea, like it's completely... You, you, you shouldn't ex- expect an artist to be able to put out 200 songs in a year based on all their personal experiences. You know, like usually an artist's first album is the greatest because it encompasses the whole first portion of their life up until the, releasing the project. And then the next album only encompasses like the next year of their experiences. But like yeah. if we've created this platform in which artists can take a new way to create and begin creating at volume that matches up with consumption behavior. I think this is how we can kind of take the music industry as a whole, turn it on its head a little bit and shake some feathers. So it's. <laughs> now I see it's So I couldn't see where your big vision was. I thought maybe your big vision was how else can we enable gifting, but that's not what you're thinking. It's how else can we move music creation further 
and bring more creators in. And just like Casey Neistat says that when he got his iMac and he got that desktop, what was it, iMovie, I guess, and suddenly it turned him from just a guy to a creator, right, which is not at all in the previous mold. And he has these stories that are different that could never have been created before. You're saying the new technology is human and software-based, and it's Song Finch, and that's what we're going to do for music, and we're going to get more uh, people to express themselves, more people to feel connected to the music, more ways for us to invest in creators that we believe in and for them to make money from this. And it's not fitting into the old model. And I think some people are going to sit here and say, well, this is selling out. This is turning music into commercialism. And it's like, have it your way, Burger King. But I imagine this also, you're smiling a little bit because I imagine this is also familiar to you because when you were taking musicians and bringing them to Coca-Cola at first, it felt weird. And then it became much more acceptable and then something that you aspire to do because brands got your music out there. I dig where you're going with this. This is exciting, John. right. Yeah. You just, All right. Now, how you long know. is it going to be until your kids finally respect how cool you are? <laughs> oh no, my kids, my my kids love me. They just don't believe that I was a rapper because I'm not rapping around. Oh, the okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The website for anyone who wants to go check it out is Song Finch S O N G F I N C H. I want to thank two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first one. If you're looking to add new technology, like maybe you like blockchain, maybe you have an idea for NFT, but your team doesn't have experience for it, well, that's where Lemon.io comes in. And if you use my special URL, it's Lemon.io slash Mixergy. They're going to take 15% discount off the first four weeks. Basically, they're going to give you a a lower price, but their price is super low already, and they'll take great care of you. I know Alex, uh, the founder, really well, and I think that just mention me, I think he'll take amazing care of you. He helped me with like my plans for this winter break. Anyway, he's been phenomenal to me. Anyway, and I also should say, if you're paying your people, go check out Gusto. Use it for free at gusto.com slash Mixergy. John, congratulations. Finally did it. You get your own bed, your own shower. No more showering in the sink. There we go. Big plans. Yeah, man. Soon you'll be showering on your own jet. How amazing would that be with Quincy Jones? Sounds like a party. All right. Right on. Or you know what? With the next new musician, come imagine. So Doja Cat came out of TikTok. Imagine musicians coming out of songs. Definitely. That's the thing. That's the future. All right. Andrew, thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. See you guys.